0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 29th of October 2017, entitled The Why, Where and When of World Missions. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Um, Lovely to be back again with you. Uh, I don't feel as though I've left. It's only three times or four maybe since um since we left um angelica sends her love to you um she's uh, looking after our boy our dog <laughs> um but i came down on the train yesterday uh, i just wanted a rest really from driving uh, being out um driving in the week and uh, had to stay out i think it was thursday or yeah thursday night but um Yeah, it's great to be back. And uh, I tell you, I came back last night, slept here, and it's like every time I look in in the corner of the church, it's like I've got memories just come flooding back, you know. And uh, because we were here for about 16 years, so um, what good memories we got, and uh, great memories. Right, let's um, turn to the Word of God, shall we? Acts chapter one. It's great to see Edna this morning, it really is, lovely smiling face, ready to hear God's Word. Right, Acts chapter 1, and uh, I'd like to invite you to uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're just going to read the first nine verses, okay? Verse 1, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. "...until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, But wait for the promise of the the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptised with water, but ye shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Dear Lord, we just thank you this morning for the word of God. And I pray that you would speak to each and every heart here in this room through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know that uh, the last words that a person speaks are often very interesting and they're very important. I remember my granddad, he was actually my second granddad because my my first granddad passed away and then she married again. I remember the last words that he spoke to me, and this would have been around probably around 2004 or five. And Angelica and myself, for a few years, we, um, we tried to witness to my granddad about the Lord and about the need to become born again. And he always seemed to just shrug it off in a way, not, not rudely, you know, but just let it pass really. And, and I remember that um, that my granddad, um, he had some uh, pains in his chest. And they decided to take him to hospital in the ambulance. Uh, and because I was a missionary at the time, I was allowed to go any time to see my granddad. And they allowed me into the hospital. And um, I sat down and, and had a talk with him about everything and uh, how he felt. And um, the last words that he ever spoke to me, I remember were these: he said, Steve, he says, I do believe in heaven, you know. Those was the last words that I ever heard him speak? Only a few hours later, he fell off his bed in the hospital, and he he slipped into a coma. And probably for about a week, he was in the coma. And I don't know if my grandad ever became a Christian. I hope he did, and I hope one day I'll meet with him. But those last words that he spoke have never left me. And they're very important. And these words that we read in chapter 1 of Acts this morning were the last words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they were very important as well. And we need to take note of what Jesus said. And I've entitled my message this morning, The Why, The Where, and The When of world mission or evangelism. It's the same thing. Um, And what I'd like to do this morning, I'd like to encourage this church, Bethel Free Baptist Church, and I'd like to encourage you. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. And you know, one of the things that has remained in this church over the years Has being a regular outreach. And it's my heart's desire, I did pray and I asked the Lord what he would have me to speak upon this morning. And um, I believe that the Lord would have me to encourage you this morning and to strengthen you in evangelism, in your personal witness, with those people who are are around you, your family members, your neighbours, And I'd like to encourage you as well to get involved with evangelism, if you can, on the Saturday with the church, because there is a set date each month where the church goes out. And it's been something that's been going on for years, but don't take it for granted. You need to go if you can get there, because it's not going to continue by itself. There needs to be people who are dedicated, and there are people who who have concern about the lost. And I would like to encourage you this morning, as a local church here in Ward End, for world evangelism. Ward End evangelism. Evangelism where you are. So that's what I want to do this morning. So, first of all, we're going to have a look at the why of evangelism. Why do we need to evangelize? Well, just have a look in verse two. The first reason why we should evangelize. Is because it's a commandment. It's not just something that we can pick and choose whether we get involved in it or not. We've been commanded to get involved in telling other people about our Saviour. Notice what it says in verse 2. Speaking about Jesus until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given, what's the next word? Commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, And when the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking these words, giving these commandments, it's the same time as what we're reading back in Matthew chapter 28 when he gives the, the, the Great Commission. It's the same time. And we know that the commandment that he gave to his disciples, what does he say? He says, go ye into all the world, doesn't he? And teach all nations whatsoever things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the world. Amen. These are the commandments that Jesus gave to his disciples to win lost souls. Let's just turn to Luke chapter 24, and let's just see what these um, disciples were commanded to preach. Luke 24, and uh, just keep your fingers in Acts 1, because we'll be going back there. Luke 24, and let's just see what the message was that they were to preach. Verse 46, this is the Lord Jesus said unto them, he says, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So something's, ha- something's uh, happened that Jesus wants his disciples to tell other people about. And it's that he has died and he's buried, he suffered and he rose again the third day. And then he says in verse 40, 47. He says, and that that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And this is the message that Jesus Christ wanted his disciples to preach. Repentance and remission of sins. If we're ever going to become a Christian, we need to come to that place of repentance. Why do we need to repent? Well, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that whosoever commits a sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is basically the breaking of God's commandments. And the Bible says that we've all done it. The Bible says we've been looking this morning about heaven and about God. God is holy and he lives in a holy place called heaven. And he will not allow sin into that holy place. And the Bible says that that sin has to be dealt with on this earth before we die. Because otherwise, we won't go into heaven. Because we've got spotted garments. And it's only the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, that can cleanse us from our sins. And the disciples were to teach the people that they were to repent which means that they need to turn from their sin lives, which they've been living since the day that that they were born, and they need to repent, and they need to follow God's laws. Then they will have remission of sins. There's no remission of sins without repentance. That's so important. You know, there are many churches today, and they preach, come to Jesus, and everything will be well. Health, wealth, prosperity. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that we come to Jesus because we're sinners in need of a saviour. And we need forgiveness. That's why. And Jesus says, repent for the remission of sins. You know that that commandment to preach repentance and remission of sins is still valid today. And when we meet our friends and our family and our work colleagues, if we have opportunity, we need to tell people what they need to do. We need to pray. We need to ask God for opportunities. Well, that's the point, really, that we need to get to with people. We need to show people that they have a need for a saviour. I was out in the city centre yesterday afternoon, and, you know, most of the people just ignore you. When you're trying to give leaflets out. But thank God that there were people who were open just to, to listen and to, and to talk about things. But we need to get to that point where we need to tell people that there needs to be repentance and remission of sins will follow. Wonderful. I wonder why it is that the outreach is one of the least obeyed commandments in the Bible, because God has told his church to go and preach the gospel. You know, as Christians, we often say, oh, well, there's one or two out there, let them do it. We, we need to be involved if we can. You know, we often think about the Lord Jesus Christ as being meek and mild, don't we? But you know, the Bible portrays Jesus as a commander. You know, Christmas is coming up soon, isn't it? In a few months. <coughs> Many people often think about Jesus uh, in the manger, you know. often think about him, sweet and mild little Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ returns, the Bible says that he's coming back with an army. We're coming back with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to ride on a white horse. The Bible says that he's going to have a name written on his thigh the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And the armies are going to follow him because they follow a commander. Let's just turn to a scripture, um, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And we see here a scripture relating to the Lord Jesus Christ as a commander. Chapter 55 and verse 4, speaking about um, the sure mercies of David and the um, This can be found in Acts 13 and verse 34, but it's it's related to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, verse 4 says, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, he was uh, meek and mild in the manger. But when he returns, he's coming back as a commander. And he's going to command his armies to follow him. And he commands us that we tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ while there is time. You know, John chapter 15, Jesus says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus gives commandments because he's in authority. And a command that needs to be obeyed. We need to obey the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to be about soul winning. We need to be praying for opportunities with our families, with our friends. Time is short. We don't know how long we're going to be here. When I became a Christian, I was 24, and I think when I was 22, I had a motorbike crash. And When I was 22, I thought I had forever to live. I thought I was invincible. But after that crash, it made me think how short and temporary a life really is. And it really made me think about heaven and hell. And I knew that I had to make a decision to become a Christian. What about you this morning? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour? If you do, are you telling others about him? Not only do we need to tell people about the Lord because it's a commandment, but secondly... Because the lost are lost in sin. Um, just turn to verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> verse 8, Jesus says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And then he says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me. What does a witness do? Well, who is a witness? A witness is somebody who has actually seen and has heard something. You know, if you witness um, some, mate, if, like, if you witness a crime, and you go to the police, they will ask you, "What did you see, and what did you hear?" And they will tell, and ho- hopefully you you will tell them what you witnessed. Jesus is saying here to his disciples that ye shall be witnesses unto me. And what we have seen, and what we have heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to tell other people about. I wonder this morning, just before you became a Christian, what was it that you heard and what was it that you saw about the Lord Jesus Christ and about yourself that made you become a Christian, made you make that decision to give your life to the Lord Jesus? Was it come to Jesus and everything's going to be fine, never going to have any more problems in your life? Ever going to have any more health issues? Was that the gospel that you heard? Because if it was, I doubt very much whether you ever became a Christian. Because the gospel is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ died for sinners. And we're sinners. We need him, his salvation. That's it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. And he rose again the third day. We just turn to Luke chapter 16. Let's just have a look what we have been saved from. Because I don't think really it's until we realize what we've been saved from that we can have a real heart's desire to reach out to other people. Because God has saved us from a place called hell. And you know, people often joke about hell. You know, we're coming up to the Halloween period, aren't we? And people are going to be laughing and joking about hell and about spiritual wickedness. Um, and it's going to be a great laugh for the world this next week. <clears throat> but the Bible doesn't say that hell is a place that we should laugh about and we should get entertained about. Hell is a place that we need to warn people from. Let's just have a look what happened um, to the rich man and Lazarus. We read in verse 19. There was a rich man, there was a certain rich man which, had, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angel into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Two men, born into this world. One was born into riches. He lived sumptuously every day. The other man was a beggar. But they both died. And you know, death is no respecter of any person. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and he wraps this church this morning, the Bible declares that we're all going to pass that way but it's what happens after we die. Because these two people went to two different destinations and they were both eternal places. And I believe that these people are still in these places. I believe that the, um, that the beggar who died, who went into Abraham's bosom, is with the Lord Jesus Christ today. But not so with, this, with, with, the, with a rich man. The Bible says in verse 23, and in hell. The Bible's very... Direct, isn't it? It's a very immediate um, response that we see here. Verse 23 says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And you see, hell is a place that God doesn't want anybody to go to. It's not a place that we can turn around and make a different decision once we have passed from this life. Once we have left this life without the Lord Jesus Christ, our decision has been sealed and we die in our sins. But the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's the good news here this morning, is that God is giving us an opportunity to turn to him while we have Time He's a wonderful God. He's a wonderful saviour. He doesn't have to do any of that for anybody. But because he loves us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But we've been saved from an eternal hell if we're Christians here this morning. And that is great news. That is something that we can be thankful for. And that should motivate us to go out of those doors and tell people about. We can tell people how they can avoid going to that place. We might even get opportunities this next week with Halloween coming up. Maybe we can just tell people what Halloween is depicting and how that hell is a real place. What a wonderful saviour you know how many people die each year in the UK? Well, the statistics show that it's 1400 people die every day and they go into eternity. That's 58 people every hour. The time that you're listening to this sermon, 58 people, about 58 people will be passing into eternity. But where will they be going? The statistics show that in this country, in the UK, 5% of people go to church. 5%. And I just wonder how many of those 5% that go to church are actually saved, born-again Christians. That's incredible, isn't it? So where are the rest going? They're going to a lost eternity. 95%. The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And you may think this morning, well, I'm not a preacher. God's never called me to stand up in a pulpit. No, but he's given us a message as Christians that we need to tell other people about. We need to warn people. The day's coming. The great white throne judgment. There is no turnabout from that place. We need to warn people. What about the where? Verse 8, the where of world evangelism. And we see here that the where is in verse 8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we see here the Lord's master plan for evangelism. First of all, Jerusalem. And we see that the gospel went first to the Jews, Chapter 2 of Acts, notice what it says in verse 14. And this is on the day of Pentecost. It says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is Peter, one of the first Christians, a Jewish Christian in Jerusalem, preached the gospel. And we notice in verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know the Bible in Romans 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first. And we know that the gospel went to the Jew first on the day of Pentecost. There were Jews from all different nations, and they heard the gospel. Um, And then it says, and also to the Greek, which means the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. You know that uh, there are some Christians who believe that God has actually finished with the Jewish nation, and they teach that when Jesus Christ was um, put up on the cross and rejected by his own people, that God made a decision to cast away his people and to reject them. And there are many Christians in churches around this country today that believe that God has finished. With the Jewish nation. Let's just turn to Romans chapter 11 and let's just see what God says about this teaching. Romans chapter 11. And here is a Jew, Christian Jew, speaking about his own people. And he says, I say then in verse 1 Have God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. You see, God knew that his people would reject him. God wasn't caught out when Jesus Christ was placed upon the cross and he was rejected by the priests and the Pharisees. That didn't take God by surprise. He foreknew it. And the Bible goes on to say that God, in verse 2, hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not, that the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel. Um, God has not cast away his people, Israel. God loves the Jewish people this morning. And you know, over here on the right, we have a a flag. This flag was adopted by the state of Israel. I think it was the 14th of May, 1948. 1948. The blue that's on the flag represents the prayer shawl that the Jewish people wear. The star in the middle there represents what they call the Magen David, which means the star of David. And they believe that the Messiah will be the son of David. We know it's the Lord Jesus Christ. But this flag is flying over the nation of Israel today. That flag is going nowhere lots of people you know if you take that flag and you walk around the streets of Birmingham today you may end up you may end up on fire <laughs> i'm being serious about that but that flag is going nowhere it represents the state of israel and there are dictators in this world today who have said publicly and openly that they're going to destroy israel and they're going to cast israel into the Mediterranean Sea. But that's not going to happen. The Bible says that he's not cast away his people whom he foreknew. And God has a plan. And we know the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return to his people, to his nation, one day. You know, we can look around the flags here this morning and we can see different nations represented and we we can think how great our nation flag looks. But, you know, even these flags here, may only be temporary, well, Look what's happened in Europe, but, you know, they've tried to get rid of nationhood, they've tried to get rid of nationalism and national flags, and you know, nothing's ever sure, and some of these flags may only be temporary, you know, this nation voted to come out of the EU, didn't they? We don't know 100% what's going to happen in, in, in future days. We don't know if we're going to have to go back into it. We may lose our flag. I hope we don't. But this is the plan. They want to get rid of individualism, you see. And they want all people to come together. But I can tell you this morning, on the authority of the word of God, that nation is staying. And that nation was born in 1948 for a reason. And that reason is, is because the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to it. And he's come to come to save his people. The Bible says that all Israel, let's just have a read of that. Um, verse 25, Paul says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And I believe that this is a reference to the church. When the church is complete, the Lord Jesus Christ will take his people out of here. He will rapture them. And the Bible says here um, that the the fullness of the Gentiles will be coming. And verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. That's a promise that hasn't been fulfilled yet as a nation. But it's going to. That's the word of God. And, you know, as a church, we need to pray for Israel. And you do. And you need to support the work of the gospel going out to the Jewish people. And you do. And that's great. That's why you have one of the flags up here. And the Bible says that there is a blessing for those, not only for the Jewish people who receive the gospel, but there will be a blessing for the people that bless Israel. There will be a blessing for this church. And I believe that there has been over the years. Because we're a church here that blesses God's people. Let's remember to keep praying for for Israel. 1992, I made a trip to Israel for two weeks. I took my rack, my my rucksack, and um, first time I ever went. And I met someone on the top of a, a big mountain called Masada. And as soon as he opened his mouth, I knew where he was from. He was from Preston. He had a northern accent. And I came about 20 miles down the road in Blackpool. And he was working as a missionary in Israel. And um, we spent two weeks together traveling around in a car. And uh, I went back to England. He stayed there. And he gave me a call. And he said, Steve, would you like to come to Israel and help us with uh, evangelism? And I brought it to my pastor. And the church commissioned me to go out as, a, as, a, as their missionary And I spent five and a half years witnessing on the streets to the Jewish people. The Bible says that they have a veil over their eyes. You know, when they put their trust in Jesus Christ, that veil can be lifted. When I was there in 1993, there was about 2,000 Jewish Christians. Today, there's over 20,000. Wonderful. But there's going to be many, many more. When the Lord Jesus Christ opens their, their eyes on this day. Wonderful. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's just have a look at um, where we need to evangelize. We see, first of all, the community. He speaks about Jerusalem in verse, in verse 8. Jerusalem can re- represent the community, the, the people that we are closest to. That would represent maybe our families. And our friends, the people who are closest to us. And the Holy Spirit, is that Shirley? Wow. I met Shirley yesterday on the outreach. And wow, that's great. We were speaking about Israel, weren't we? Ah, Praise God. But Jerusalem can represent the community, the people who are closest to us, family members. And you know, when we become Christians... They should be the first people to hear the gospel. The people in our families, the people who are closest to us, our friends. You know, there's a cost sometimes when we tell our families that we've become Christians. It can be very costly for a Jewish family. They have funerals. Their families have funerals for those who have become Christians and been baptized. It's very costly. But we're to... Witness and to evangelize to our community, to our neighbors and those who are nearest to us. Next, we see the country. We see Judea. This is where the Jewish people lived. This was their nation, if you like. And these people, these Jewish Christians were to be concerned with those who spoke the same language, those people who had the same customs and those people who had the same government. We might relate this to England where we're living right now, to the English people. English people are hard to reach with the gospel. They really are. Cold-hearted, don't want Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we don't give people an opportunity to hear the message. We need to go to England. We need to go to the English people, the people who are closest to us. How do we do it? Well, I believe that we do it through the church, through the local church, and we go out into our neighbourhood. And this is the first step of, if you like, stepping out and reaching out to our neighbourhood, to the people who are are around us in our country. And we need to tell people in England that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, a lot of people, Christians, have a... A dream about going onto to the mission field and being missionaries in far-flung countries. But You know, if you're not doing it here amongst your own people, why are you going to have a burden to do it out there in other countries? You need to start here. And there's an opportunity for you to do it, even here within this church. Let's just have a look at Samaria because the disciples were to go and evangelise to the Samaritans and this Samaritans could represent, if you like, the continent, because Israel was actually on a continent, and there were countries around it. And they were to go beyond their own countries, and they were to evangelize to those people, um, in their continents. And we could say that maybe Samaria could represent foreign people. They could represent foreign culture, and it could represent foreign religion as well. And you know, when I came into Birmingham, Yesterday afternoon, it's just amazing how cosmopolitan Birmingham is. And you know, there are many people here in Birmingham from places like Saudi Arabia and Syria and places like that, who it's dangerous to become a Christian. And many times they they won't have access to the word of God, but they're here in Birmingham. People from other nations And there's an opportunity to reach out to these people. Don't look at it as a a negative, but look at it as a positive. How we can reach out to these people and show them who Christ is. It's an opportunity that God's given us here in Birmingham. Let's take that opportunity. And then he goes on to say in, in Acts, he says, to the uttermost part of the earth. How are we going to do that? We're living here in Ward End, this is our church. How are we going to reach to the uttermost parts of the earth? Well, there are two ways that we can do that. A church can have a missions program, and I believe that you have one here at Bethel, and you need to continue it. You need to continue to pray for the missionaries, and you need to support the work as well because these people cannot live on fresh air they need they need to live in homes. They need to live and be clothed. They need food for their families and so on. And they need support. And they need prayer. And that's one way that we as a church can reach the uttermost parts of the earth, is to have a missions program. But secondly, we could send out a missionary from this church. You know, I, I believe that the pastor, he would be honoured We could have a missionary go out from this church. Maybe one of you here. Maybe God will call you to be a missionary and to go out and to reach others with with the gospel. How wonderful that would be. From this church, Bethel, Free Baptist Church. Maybe God might just have his hand upon you. You know, Acts chapter 13, we read about Paul. We read about Barnabas. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit separated them, and he called them to go and preach the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's exactly what they did. So we've seen here this morning, we've seen the why, the where, and lastly, very briefly, let's just have a look at the when of world evangelism. When do we do it? Well, verse 8, Jesus says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Has the Holy Ghost come upon God's people? Has it? When? On Peter? Yeah, but when, when was the Holy Spirit poured out? 2,000 years ago, wasn't it? That's right, on the day of Pentecost. That's when the church was empowered to preach the gospel and to go with the gospel. We don't need to wait anymore in Jerusalem. We don't need to wait anymore why are we waiting this is the day the bible says the day of salvation and we need to take that opportunity while we have it when now now is the time you know we often get if we just have a look here at at verse 6 we see a question that the disciples asked Jesus he says when they therefore were come together they asked of him saying lord Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? We notice in verse 8, he says, no, verse 7, he says, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And you see the disciples have actually got misguided, misfocused. Their focus was upon the kingdom of Israel being set up by the Lord Jesus Christ at that time upon the earth. But that was not the time. And you know, as Christians, we often get misguided and we often get caught up and entertained sometimes about things, about the Christian thing, uh, about the second coming, things that are going to happen and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. And you know, all those things are important. But it's not the most important thing. The most important thing that we need to do, as Jesus said to his disciples, he says in verse 8, he says, but ye shall be witnesses unto me. And that's what Christ wants us to be focused with. That's what our main concern needs to be, reaching the lost with the gospel. What should the focus of Bethel Free Baptist be on the 29th of October? It should be, in verse 8, Be witnesses unto me. Simple. Be witnesses unto me. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you this morning for our God. We thank you for his wonderful salvation. None of us deserve it. But we thank you that out of your love for each and every one of us, that you gave the Lord Jesus Christ... To give his life on the cross for us so that we can be forgiven and go to heaven one day. How wonderful. That is the good news this morning. That is the gospel. And We pray that if there is one here in this room who doesn't know Christ as their saviour, we pray that today may be the day where they become Christians. And Lord, for those of us who are Christians, help us to get our focus on what's important. Help us to reach out to those around us with the good news. And Lord, one day we will rejoice in heaven when we see those who have been rescued, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Lord, help us to be those people. Amen. Mm -hmm.